The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 15, please, as we get in the Word. Joshua chapter 15. Oh my gosh, I'd go to this church even if I wasn't pastoring. Joshua chapter 15, we're going to read verse 63. Do you have notes? Good. If you don't have notes, flail your hand wildly and Eric will run with notes and bring them to you. All right, I think we're all set. Uh, We're going to read Joshua 15, verse 63, Joshua 16, verse 10, Joshua 17, verse 12 and 13, as well as 17 and 18. And if you didn't catch that, that's why I gave you notes, all right? So, here we go. Ready? Joshua 15, verse 63. You ready? If you're ready, say aye. Aye. Judah could not dislodge the Jebusites who were living in Jerusalem. To this day, the Jebusites live there with the people of of Judah. Go to chapter 16, verse 10. Chapter 16, verse 10. Now, final verse. And they did not drive out the Canaanites who dwelt among, who dwelt in Gezer, but the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites to this day and have become forced laborers. Look at chapter 17 now, verse 12. Chapter 17, verse 12 and 13. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites were determined to dwell in the land. And it happened when the children of Israel grew strong that they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. Verse 17 now and 18. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim, to Manasseh, saying, You are a great people, and have great power. You shall, not only, you shall not have only one lot, but the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its furthest extent shall be yours. You shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done in the first two services and now in this final service this afternoon. We pray. Well, I guess it's not the final service. We have one more tonight. In this penultimate service, which means second to last. In this service, Lord, come and speak to us with great clarity. May we never be the same, Lord, as you speak to us. Put your finger upon the fleshly tablets of our heart. Take a coal from your altar, Lord, and burn faith into our lives in a fresh, anointed way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We have been preaching a series called Possessing the Land. This is the final message in Possessing the Land. It's a 12-part series, so we come to the completion of it. We have preached uh, along the lines of possessing land, which means this. It means obtaining or receiving, 
getting everything that God has for you, possessing everything that God has for you in your life. And God's intention for you, God's intention for me, individually as well as corporately, is to be what he wants us to be, do what he wants us to do, and have what he wants us to have. We've been looking at the book of Joshua and in other places as well. And so now an introduction as we look at this final message. Let me ask you this question. What do you really want in your life? What do you really want and are you willing to fight for it? There's some things that are worth fighting for. Other things are not worth fighting for. What do you really want in life and are, willing, are you willing to fight for it? And as I shared earlier, again, the Lord spoke to me very clearly and shared this biblical principle what you're willing to live with, you will become. What you are willing to tolerate, what you're willing to live with, you will become. Amen. And to understand the context of the scripture that we're looking at, you need to read and understand the command. It's in a number of places, but let me read Numbers 33, verse 52 and 56 through 56. Drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you. Destroy all their carved images. This is a command that the Lord is giving Israel as they go into the promised land of the generation before. Destroy all their carved images, their cast idols. Demolish all their high places. Take possession of the land and settle in it. For I've given the, you the land to possess. I've given you the land to possess. Distribute the land by lot according to your clans. To a larger group, give a larger inheritance. To a smaller group, give a smaller one. Whatever falls to them by lot will be theirs. Distribute it according to the ancestral tribes. Verse 55 says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, those you allow to remain will become barbs to your eyes. Ow. Come on, somebody say ow. Barbs your eyes and thorns in your side. You ever wonder, we're like, don't be a thorn in my side? It came from here. That's where it came from. Thorns in your side. They will give you trouble in the land where you live. So it was a command by the Lord to Israel. You go into the, the promised land, the land that, I, that you're going to possess. Get rid of everybody I told you. Drive out all the inhabitants of the land. In fact, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, do not intermarry, verse 3, with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and quickly destroy you. Chapter 20 of the book of Deuteronomy, verse 16, says this. However, in the cities and nations the Lord God has given you as an inheritance, do not leave anything that breathes. That's a pretty strong command. Don't leave anything that breathes. Anything that's breathing, kill it. Wow, that means like cattle. That's, that's everything. We'll utterly wipe out everything. Pretty violent. Completely destroy the, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, as the Lord commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow detestable things they do in worshiping their gods and sin against the Lord your God. And God would judge Israel if you're filling your notes in. So in light of that, understanding what the command of the Lord was to drive out all the inhabitants and everything that breathes when you read the text that we now read, 
but we opened with how they could not drive them out they did not drive them out they wouldn't drive them out it's a grievous thing we grieve over the statement they did not drive out the Canaanites I have been pastoring and been a Christian for a long time maybe not as long as some maybe longer than others I'll just tell you in my experience I have seen people who have come to church and not deal with the Canaanites in their own life, in their own head. What are you talking about? The compromise, the lust, the greed. They have not dealt with things. They, they refuse to have their minds renewed. So they come to church and over a period of time, they don't drive out the high thoughts, the lofty thoughts they're raised up against the knowledge of God. And what ends up happening is they too lose out with God, don't walk in his fullness. And truth is, many of them fail and don't walk with the Lord anymore. I've even seen people reject the Lord and die. And so we don't want to be like that. I think there's times in our lives when we don't follow through. Times in our lives when we just tolerate things. I learned a long time ago, even though I hate confrontation, what I, what I dislike more than confrontation is the problem I get by not confronting something. I'm motivated to confront things because I refuse to have an elephant in any room I'm in. I'm not, I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't like elephants. You know what I'm talking about? I, the big, the big pink elephant that nobody wants to talk about. I'm going I'm to call out that. What's with the pink elephant? I'm, I'm going to point it out right away because I, 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 I can't stand that being manipulated by that. If there's things in your life or things as there's things in my life as I'm growing in the Lord, he puts his finger on things, says, you need to change this son. I, I endeavor to change it through prayer and through accountability with uh, brothers and my wife, of course, first and foremost, and with the Lord. And You cannot allow for Canaanites and Jebusites to live in your head. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to deal with thoughts. You have to deal with things and patterns that are not right. You have to cast down idols. You've got to deal with stuff. All right, so... Why did they not drive them out? Why did Israel not drive out the Canaanites? Why? Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing on some of this because we, we don't know all the reasons. But first of all, you got to keep in mind that God is the same God who, who defeated Egypt. is the same God who brought them over the Jordan. Same God who led them to go around Jericho with the master plan. Insane in the thinking of the natural, but a God plan to go around Jericho seven days, seven times and scream and shout and the walls fall flat. Kind of an odd strategy, but it worked. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The walls fall flat and they have this great victory in, in this city, Jericho. And, and at this point, when we're reading here in Joshua, they have defeated some, I think it's 32 or 35 kings. I mean, victory everywhere they went. They are possessing the land. And yet, they didn't take everybody out. They didn't remove everybody. Kind of amazing. But it's the same army, the same God, and yet they can't do it. Well, why is that? I think one of the reasons is they got paid before they finished the deal. Don't ever pay somebody before they finish the work. 
Yeah, that's a bad idea. I, I, I remember in my earlier days getting paid first and then having to go do it. And somehow I just didn't work quite as hard as I would have had I gotten paid. You know what I'm talking about? They got there. They had been given their inheritance. And I think they wanted to enjoy their inheritance without finishing the job. And when the task was hard, instead of having a breakthrough, they decided they could accommodate their problems. I'm going to tell you, don't ever accommodate that which God wants to deliver you from. Don't ever tolerate and accommodate that which God can heal you from. Don't get in a place where in your life you just say, well, uh, you know, the Lord knows my heart. I've ever heard, have you ever heard that ridiculous statement? Well, the Lord knows my heart. Yes, and, the, and he knows that it's black and deceitfully wicked, as Jeremiah says, above all else. Oh, not mine. My heart's pure. No, it isn't. You're deceived, okay? So come Wednesday, we've been dealing with a series on deception. Maybe that'll help you. I think they also lacked faith. If you look in Joshua 17, which we read, it says, but they have, they have chariots of iron. Joshua, they've got chariots of iron. And Joshua says, you're a great people. You're a strong people. You can do it. Chariots of iron, big deal. Now, iron was really a new weapon. These chariots of iron, they were terrified, but God is bigger than any little chariot of iron. His right hand spans the universe. He's a big God. I used to think dudes that could palm basketballs had a big hand. Our God palms universe, the whole universe, the whole thing. Do you think he could handle your problem? Do you think he could set you free? Do you think he could heal you? It doesn't matter what sickness, disease, infirmity, or wherever you find yourself today, whatever you're going through today, he can bring you through the other side. Isn't that right in the lobby? Can you all hear me in the lobby? How about in the lobby? Can you hear me now? Awesome. Yeah, got your attention now, huh? All right, good. There's some people should be in here when they're sitting in the lobby. I hate that. All right. Don't come in. You'll be embarrassed. Stay out there. Praise God. And I know other people in the lobby have been through three services. I understand. Now, let me get back to track. I just... Bugs the snot out of me. I can't stand that. What are we talking about? Jebusites. In your head. I think they lacked faith. They were talking about how big the problem is. Iron chariots and all the stuff. That they, oh, and Joshua says, man, you can do it. You can do it. You can overcome your bondage. You can break through. You can have a breakthrough. But they didn't. They lacked faith. I think they got lazy. Don't ever get lazy in your faith. All right. Some very simple principles. How to not stop until you get her done. Everybody say, get it done. I got the name of this message from my shirt yesterday. I was wearing this new shirt I got from the buckle, which is some store in the mainland. And I was... Too fat to wear it for about two years and now fits me. Hallelujah. I mean, the shirt is cool and I bought it on sale, but it was too small. And I thought, I'm going to fit that one day. Hallelujah. The days come. Mostly. Most. Most. 
So I get this shirt. I put this shirt on. I'm like, yeah. And, and we go to have our family pictures. Now, I will tell you the biggest fights my wife and I have had in our entire married life have been over the times when we've had family photos. I don't know why that is. It's like a family photo demon or something that just manifests as we're all getting dressed and trying to get somewhere on time. And usually we go to the big box stores and pay $29.95 with a couple free wallet photos. You know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We just did that for years. And this time we had an opportunity to do like real pictures. You know, not that those aren't real, but I mean, you know, the cute little backdrops. So you get sick of those. You know, the 70s are over. You know what I mean? So it's like... 80s, 90s, whatever. I, I, I'm, you know, maybe you like that great. It just got old for us. All the pictures look the same with a little faded blue thing in the background. And everybody looks like they were just photoshopped in. And, you know, so, so we had a, uh, the opportunity to have real pictures taken. And so we, we knew the day was coming and we're praying. It's going to be good. We're praying for good weather. And so we all get ready, dressed up and ready to roll. And we, we feel led to go to this particular place and we get there. And God shows off so big time. It is, it is supernatural what he did for me and my family. This was just yesterday. It was raining a little bit and the sun came out. And when it gave us every kind of different light that there was. And we had a rainbow busting over us on one of the pictures. And, and there came time when we saw a moose. A big bull moose. Now, how many of you know what's going on right this time of the year, right? I mean, they're, they're just starting to go into rut. It's probably a little bit earlier, but, you know, they're unpredictable. Okay, so I have a 45 Magnum in my truck. Actually, it's 44, sorry, 44 Magnum in my truck. And so I went and retrieved it, which made a nice piece in my shoulder as we took family photos. And, and what ended up happening is that moose came from me to Josh, or Josh waving it, that close, but we were by a lake. It came to drink at a lake. The photographer was here. It was, it was, we had a bull moose as the background of our family pictures with a rainbow. You couldn't have ordered that. You, I, I mean, you couldn't, I mean, how are you going to do that? Where are you going to, where are you going to put your little slip in for that? Lord, I want a moose and a ra- I mean, it beat the, the, it beat the fuzzy little blue thing from the box store by a million miles. And it was just the Lord saying, man, I want to bless you. And I want to help you. Kind of an awesome thing. I have no idea how I'm going to tie that into the message. So we probably should just look back at our notes. (laughs) Okay, I think I got it. I have come to understand this in my life. The Lord wants to bless me, man. And he's looking for opportunities to rain on me with victory. He's looking for opportunities. If I'll just position myself and believe and have faith and know that I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. Turn to Romans 8. That he's, he's given me victory. Come on, somebody say victory. victory. Okay, hold your fingers up like this. That's not the peace sign today. It's the victory sign. All right? Everybody say victory. victory. Good. Now do it three times like you mean it. Victory, victory, victory. All right, good. God has called you to victory. He's called me to victory. Individually victory, but corporately he's called us to victory. You have to settle it in your beautiful head today that he wants you to win. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to conquer all of the stuff that might be plaguing you, afflicting you, the things that you might be tolerating. 
The bondages that you might have, greed or lust or maybe, I mean, I'm not looking at anybody, maybe you got a pornography problem, a lust problem. Deal with it. Confess it. Overcome. Get the word of the Lord. Get lands laid on you. Believe God. Set your life up so you're not by yourself or so you're not in front of images or whatever the case may be. Romans 8 verse 31. And you, you know, you ought to memorize Romans 8. The whole thing's amazing. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who could be against us? Let's continue reading. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also, along with him, not give us all things? Who will bring any charge against whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or, may I say, or iron chariots or whatever problem you're facing. There's not one problem that you face today that God can't deliver you from, provide for you, that you can't overcome. Not one. Not one, Pastor. Not, not one. Well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Come on, somebody say I'm more than a conqueror. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation. In all of creation. There is nothing that has been created that can stop you. In other words, there's only one uncreated thing, and his name is God. Satan can't stop you. He's created. One day he's going to be uncreated by an angel and a big chain, and he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. Nothing else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, somebody say, wow. So you've got to settle it today that victory is yours if you're willing to receive it. You'd stop being a victim. Don't be a victim. It was a great day when the Lord spoke to me in a great rebuke. Because after all, as, as our dear friend of the ministry, Lauren Cunningham, has on his computer, those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of. It's a play on words, but truly, if you have any hell on the inside of you, how many of you think it'd be good if you got rid of it? Those whom the Lord loves, he chastises and disciplines. And I'm going to tell you the way that the Lord deals with me is, is very lovingly, but very strong. And I, in times in my life, especially when I was a younger man, I used to complain about how I didn't have enough. And I, you know, it's just constantly murmuring about if they would just do their job, then everything would work out for me. I was just constantly the victim. And so codependent, oh my gosh. I mean, I just tied into other people and everything was everybody else's fault, you know. And, and you might have found yourself in that position. 
You, you might murmur and complain, well, you were bottle fed instead of breastfed, so that's why you got issues. Or you, your dad dropped you on your head. Or you didn't have a dad. Or you didn't have a mom. Listen, I understand those things happen, and I don't mean to make fun of them. I'm just saying, well, here you are right now, and he's a father to the fatherless, and what he can give you is more than the bottle that you might not have gotten or the, or the mom that didn't come through for you. God is more than enough. And there has to come a time in your life when you say, I'm going to get her done. I'm going to fulfill God. God's call on my life. It doesn't matter what kind of family I came from. It doesn't matter what kind of bondage I might be in right now. God is bigger. He's carved me in the palm of his hand. I'm going to make it. I'm going to live in victory, victory, victory. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm going to see God bring about the plan of God for my life. So help me, God. I'm going to do it. It was a great day when I woke up. Listen, you might not have chosen. You can't choose what family you're born into, but you can choose what you do with your life right now. And today's the first day of the rest of your life. So grab yourself by your bootstraps, start praying in tongues and get her done. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Keep in mind that you are the key to your future. Look at your notes. You are the key to your future. The blockage or the trouble you're facing, it's, it's not people. Your problem, your trial you're in right now is designed for your deliverance. That's good. You're facing a trial right now. You're facing a problem right now. You're in the wilderness. It's designed so that you can learn a greater authority. It's designed so that you could be healed. It's designed so that you could have faith. This is not it. This is not the final show. This is not it. Oh, just can't wait till we, you know, this is not it. This is training. This is an internship. And one day it will be over. And when it's over, then you enter into the real thing. Come on, Karen, give me an amen. Amen. Praise God. You're the key to your future. And for Israel, they caved in, man. They just got relaxed. I've been reminded of this a number of times. Uh, in my preaching this morning, and so I think it's the Lord, so I'll make mention of it. When I first got saved, I had nothing. I had, in fact, nothing. Well, I had my life. That's, that's a lot. I was alive. And I had people praying for me, so to say that I had nothing is not true. But I had lost all the things that we consider near and dear except for my life. And so I still had a pulse. My health was damaged, and I was really left in a pile, and I had nowhere to go. I got saved. Jesus became my everything, and he still is. And I started learning about how to take my thoughts captive and started learning that I didn't have to be a a victim anymore, but I could have victory. And I started learning the Word of God. And I, I mean, I crashed and burned so many times. I backslid more times than I can tell you. But I finally got to the place where, like, I got sick of it. It's a great day when you get sick of your old life. It's a great day when you realize, oh, you know something? I don't have to live like this anymore. And something came down in the city of my soul that, that I just said, nah, that's, that's it. That is it. And I got involved in the church. And I snuggled up next to some folks that knew 10 times as much as I did and people that I could respect. Well, you know, not really snuggle. 
I got close to people that were living a victorious life. They had joy. Their marriages were healthy. I could see their kids. All their, their beautiful children were obedient children. Hello? I got close to those folks and started realizing that they knew a lot more than I did, and I started getting discipled. And I, I was a 30-second disciple, 30-second counsel guy. I didn't need hours. I didn't, because I was done. Just tell me, now, what, what do you want me to do? Here's what the Word says, this, this, and this. Here's what you might want to try. Thanks. Amen. Guess what I did? I didn't go do my own thing. I was done with that. I went through great beatings before I got to this place. And, I, and then I would just do that, and miraculously, boom, breakthrough. I'd be like, whoa, that's kind of cool. And I have a, a myriad of other problems, so I'd go back and get some more counsel. Then I learned, actually, I could open my Bible. Wow. Come on, somebody say, wow. They say, wow, I actually don't have to go even talk to the pastor. Oh, that's a good thing. Praise God. I think everybody has to have a pastor. I don't have to go talk to the, the leader. I can open my Bible. Or I could do both. And I started doing that, and the Lord trained my hands for war. And I pressed, and, and God transformed my life. He transformed me. Supernaturally. But then there came a place in my life where I just started to sort of rest in the victory. In other words, I didn't have life-controlling problems that were causing my life to get destroyed anymore. I got free from that. But I also wasn't pressing on to really growing it. And really deepening my walk with the Lord. And I began to rest. Because it was the good life. And the Lord convicted me. Many years ago now. It's probably, I don't know, 14 years ago. And he told me. You can go as deep as you want. You can have as much as you want. I heard things like there's no. You can't overdose on my presence. You can't read too much of my word. You're the key to your future. So quit blaming people. I know nobody in here does that, but take personal responsibility. We don't like that. Taking personal responsibility. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if I could just give you some insight uh, in your life, and it, it's a, a picture right out of this text that Jebusites, the Hivites, those who are allowed to remain, they're, they're like demonic parasites and Satan's power is parasitical it says in Romans 6 that's the blank Satan's power is parasitical it says in Romans 6 verse 16 and 17 do you not know that when you offer yourselves as someone as obedient slaves you are slaves to the one you obey whether you're slaves to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness thanks but thanks be to God that through you, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You're going to be a slave to something. You're going to serve somebody. Serve the Lord. Be a bond servant, as the Apostle Paul said to him, because otherwise... If, if, you, if you yield to your flesh or yield to your fallen, you know, your fallen human nature and you allow for the, the Jebusites, if you will, to stay in your life. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about patterns and thinking. And I'm talking about darkness and sin. That secret sin, brother, going to find you. It will find you out and it will rip you off. 
and what you're willing to tolerate and allow in your life, you will become. And I've known people that just say, well, I can just smoke a little bit of dope because it's not that big a deal. It's not really a gateway drug. Yeah, wrong. Yes, it is. And I've seen people that smoke dope for years and read the Bible and go to church. And it's an interesting thing. This is true for all you dope smokers. I have seen over and over people that smoke pot and read the word and allow for that bondage to stay in their life. I have found over a period of years, now it's not two or three years, I'm talking 10, 15, 20 years of that lifestyle. Not all of them go and start shooting heroin. Not all of them become drug addicts, although some of them do, you know, drug addicts as, as far as, um, you know, other drugs or deeper drugs than that. I think that's deep enough. I've found that they start losing their mind. They, they begin to go crazy. You say, what do you mean? They begin to get like this weird idea. I've seen believers that say, man, God's given us every green herb. Says right in Genesis, you can smoke and you have every green thing. That's why you try smoking poison sumac and see how that works for you. That's green. Don't do that. Don't smoke poison ivy or poison sumac, okay? It's not going to give you a buzz. It'll kill you. Amen. Your lungs will be filled with that and be over. All right, everybody say, don't do it. I've found people that tolerate, that allow for that and justify in their mind why it's right and good over a period of 10 years, 15 years, sometimes sooner, sometimes about that long. They lose it with the Lord. They, they kind of go partially crazy. Their revelation that they have is totally askewed. And soon they're not in church, they're not serving God, or they're a part of some cult. All of the above. I've seen all of that. Your faith releases the power of God. But when you believe in the lie, when you believe in lies, it releases the power of the enemy. Look at three. What you bind is bound. What you loose is loosed. Number four, as our worship team comes, you cannot control everything that happens to us, but we can control its outcome on our lives for what we're willing to live with, we will become. You can control the outcome. And the final point, keep in mind you have weapons. Please just put this scripture up on the screen and we'll close. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. So what are you saying? It's sad. An application to, of the scripture that we're reading, very terrible, grievous thing that says they did not drive out the Canaanites, even though God told them to. And, and you see through Israel's history the tremendous pain, barbs in their eyes, thorns in their side that that created. The same in the New Testament application for us. When you don't work out your salvation with fear and trembling, of course you're saved when you receive Jesus, but there's a renewing of your mind that you have to take personal responsibility for. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Everybody say amen. Okay, we're... We're in a war against terror, so on and so forth. We've got troops going over for ISIS. I didn't think that's going to get worse. And, you know, we got some things going on there. It's horrible. We had uh, Chad, the, one of the military chaplains from Jay Bear was with us this morning. He just returned from being overseas, being downrange. God spared his life again. He's back home. Praise God. Okay, the war that they fight with is with guns grenade launchers, missiles. Okay, we're in a war, a spiritual war, but you're not going to be able to take it out with a gun. 
Okay, does everybody understand that? Look at the text. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. They're not guns, they're not knives, they're none of that. On the contrary, they have divine power. They have the power of God. They have the power of heaven to demolish strongholds. Well, what's a stronghold, Pastor? It's a good question. It's a Jebusite. It's a Hivite. It's a lie. Here's a definition of a stronghold. Be good to write it somewhere. I probably should have put it in your notes. A stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to the Word of God. I'll say it again. A stronghold. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's impregnated with hopelessness that's contrary to the Word of God. Some examples. You think of yourself as ugly and a loser. In fact, you say things about yourself like, I'm a loser, I'll never accomplish anything. Well, you have a stronghold. That's a lie. That's something that you believe about yourself that flat out isn't true. How do you know it's not true? I could give you a whole bunch of evidence that I'm a loser, you might say. I don't care what your evidence is. The Bible, the Word of God says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Word of God says that you are the beloved. You are God's friend. The, the Word of God says that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The, the, God's Word says in Zephaniah 3.17 that he rejoices over you with singing. God spins like a top over you. He loves you that much. It says, for God so loved, stick your name in there. For God so loved Joshua. For God so loved Hannah. For God so loved Karen. For God so loved Bubba. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now I'm going to tell you, if you were trash and you were a loser, God would just let you die or crisp you, Johnny on the spot. It'd be over and it, you wouldn't have to be even thinking about it. But why doesn't that happen? Because you're precious and you're made in God's image. And that's the truth. And until you begin to, until you settle that, your identity, and you begin to think about lies, and I'll tell you what, you are not what you eat, contrary to popular belief. You are what you believe, though. And if you believe yourself to be a loser, you will walk around like one. And you will hang your head low. If you think you're not worthy, you'll never be able to pray. You won't feel like you'll be able to do anything in the Lord because you fear you're not worthy. The devil comes to tell you you're not worthy. Look what you did. Look how you cursed last week, got wasted last week. Look how you treated your wife. Look how you treated your husband. You're just a loser. Big old L on your forehead. Yeah, he'll tell you. and He'll show you all the evidence of why you're a loser. It's not true. You're acting like one because you think you are one. But as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you could change what you think, then you will be going to behave differently. You will change, your behavior will change. Lots of people want to take those who are alcoholics and drug addicts and those who have challenges and just trim off all the fruit. In other words, you could take an alcoholic and take the bottle away and put him away in a place that's dry. You still have an alcoholic. Hello? You got to get the root out. Is this helping anybody? We're going to possess the land, but you have to understand that, that you're the one. God ain't going to do it for you. He's not going to come and chew food for you and then spoon feed you. You have to learn to grow up. You got to learn to grow up. So, I, don't, I don't like that, but, but listen, that's, that's normal. Sony's just had a baby, right? Beautiful little baby. Okay, the baby can't eat solid food yet. 
When is that? Three, four months and you can start getting some oatmeal or something? Right? They can't digest it. It doesn't work. System's not working. But, you know, eventually they move forward and eventually weaned. Right? Right then they start eating some solid food and then teeth come in. Oh, God, help them. Right? Let's pray for them now. Jesus, help them. The teeth start coming in. Why do teeth come in? So they can chew. How would it be if a baby never came off of milk? An old lady said, oh, Jesus. How would it be if they never grew up? Now, the, the thing is, that a child, a healthy child is going to grow, is going to develop and get some appetites, and hopefully you're training them, and they're not training you, and they became part of your family. You didn't become part of theirs, so you've got rules and regulations, and amen. They, you have a, uh, Jesus, help me. Amen. And then they... they, they they have diapers and stuff, and you have to change their shorts, right? You got to change their diapers. How would it be to change a 12-year-old's diaper? I don't, I don't mean somebody that's handicapped. I mean somebody that just never got out of diapers. That'd be crazy. Would that not be crazy? We got believers, though, that are just like that. I know not here. Y'all mature. Amen. See, they want to possess the land. They want to fulfill the destiny they have in God, but they're waiting for God to come and decimate the enemy. He already did. He already did it. And so the weapons that we have to tear down strongholds, mindsets that are impregnated with hopelessness, are to have divine power. What kind of power? Divine power to tear those things down. Strongholds, a mindset, a set way of thinking that's contrary to God's word. You need to tear it down. It's an act of violence. You need to renew your mind. And many people wait for God and His sovereignty to come and touch us so that we can then move out of the, the land of the Jebusites and move into the promised land. But the truth is, He already did it. He did it on a cross. And then He says, Now, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Take every thought captive and make it. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are holy. Whatsoever things are noble. noble think on these things things. You have a job of taking a hold of your thought life and your patterns and forcing them to think truth. You have to do it. When I was a kid, I had a dog, couldn't stand to be washed. Hated it. And you'd have the hose, you have to like follow the dog around. I learned a trick from my older brother. Grab the dog, put it between your legs, buckle the dog, wash the dog. Some of you need to do that with your brain, your thought life. You refuse to do it. So you just let the Jebusites, the Hivites all dwell in there and you wonder why you don't have any joy. You wonder why you're still addicted. You wonder why you've got no victory. It's because you have allowed them to stay in your mind and in your thinking. Drive out all of those lies. Drive them out. It's an act of violence. You say, I don't feel like it. Well, then you choose today. You want to stay cursed or do you want to be blessed? Do you want to have breakthrough or do you want to have breakdown? Do you want to be emotionally handicapped and wearing diapers at 45 years old? Or do you want to win? You have to determine what you want in your life. I want victory, victory, victory. Say it. Victory, victory, victory. How insane would it be if when the if a moose that was at our photo shoot yesterday charged us and we just sat there and went, oh Lord, help me, help me God, oh help me God. I'd have capped that thing with my 45 the second it came down. That you, you call fishing game, wildlife, whatever. I'd unloaded my entire handgun into that thing and called fishing game myself. 
and it would be dead and my beautiful family would be standing behind me and I'd be like <laughs> bang 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 how insane would it be if you have a 4570 fully loaded ready to rock cock lock and ready to rock and a brown bear comes out of the woods <laughs> comes after you not a very good brown bear Hannah, show us how a brown bear goes. No? Oh, is that better? And there you are with the gun. Lord, help me. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me. Is that what, is that what, is there any hunters in here? It'd be like. Some of you are getting, you're like munched on every week. You got a brown bear demonically eating your lunch every day. And God has given you a 4570. He has given you divine power. He's equipped you, but you tolerate it because you're waiting for God to come through for you. He already came through. Now lock and load and blow that thing away in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Don't tolerate stuff that God wants to deliver you from. Can somebody say hallelujah up in this place? I think that's it. Did we get all the points? We're done. Would you stand up on your feet? Come on, lift your hands towards heaven because that's where your help comes from. Messages like this, they're good. They help you. Trying to, trying to get some of you out of the teething stage. Amen. Maturing. It's time to mature, time to grow. It's really where the good life is. Possessing the land. You can possess the land, but you got to do your job. Don't tolerate stuff that God wants to set you free from. Father God, thank you for what you've said, what you've done, Lord, this morning through the preaching and the teaching of your word in these three services. And now I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would put your finger on things inside of us. Come on, ask God to speak to you now. Put your finger on things inside of us. If we have a stronghold, if we have a way of thinking that's messed up, that's contrary, it's not true, a way that, of believing that's, that's askewed. Reveal it to us now, I pray, and over the coming days, that we would take the sword of the Word of God and we would slay that thing. We would not allow for lies and bondages to be in our lives the Jebusites, the Hivites those things can be strong even demonically empowered as a parasite we will evict every intruder and break off every lie for as the psalmist said you've trained my hands for war Lord we commit to take every thought captive and make it obedient we tear down every high and lofty thought that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And in so doing, our minds will be renewed. We'll become more like you. And we'll show you to a world the power of a transformed mind, the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Word of God. And raise us up, God, and help us. Give us fortitude. Give us spiritual fortitude. Put a fight. There's some you lost your fight. Put a fight back in these. Put fire back in your people right now. Not to tolerate things, but to rise. 
to rise and to overcome for nothing can separate us from your love you are for us so who can be against us we've already got the victory I read the back of the book you defeated hell death and the grave release fire and passion to live lives completely abandoned unto you and in so doing we'd see our family saved our community touched and revival sweep the state sweep our nation we give you praise for it in Jesus name put your hands together for God every head bowed every eye closed if you're not right with God I want to give you an opportunity to get right with him right now if that's you give your heart to him for the first time or make a recommitment if you'd like to do that just pray with me right out loud and if you're saved and on fire praise the Lord just reaffirm your faith with us say it right out loud say dear Jesus thank you for dying in my place thank you for rising again for the grave for me forgive me of all my sin come into my life be my Lord be my Savior wash me and cleanse me make me new thank you for loving me thank you for hearing my prayer amen would you lift your hands as a sign of surrender? We'll pray for you, then we'll bless you, and service will be over. Don't miss tonight. It's going to be tremendous. Don't miss our pumpkin patch meeting. You want to be part of that outreach? It's directly following this service, about three minutes after I close. Father, fill your people with your Holy Spirit, I pray. Touch and bless them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. And give them peace. In Jesus' holy name and all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight, 6 o'clock. Revival continues. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.